one. It's time for the rundown with Rob Sanders. Well, we're waiting. Welcome into the rundown. It is the Wednesday edition here on Fox Sports Radio 1400 around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate it as always. My name is Rob Sanders. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rob Sounds Good. Hashtag LGM just walked in. I know what that means now. As I keep getting that sent to me on Twitter as he's wearing his Mets jersey. Of course, Will Pelagic from the SC Sports Show. Will, good afternoon. You're not going to say good afternoon? Good afternoon, Rob. It's good to hear your sultry tones joining us here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Did, did you see Pete Alonso hit one to Mexico and then shoot his bat to the moon? That was pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, we're talking about the Mets? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I just learned what's your hashtag, man. Now you're expecting me to watch games? I mean... Come on now. Yeah, that is your National League Rookie of the Year, by the way. Just want you to know. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that, but we'll go. We'll, love, we, we can argue that point at, a, at another, lo- another tenure. Love you, bro. Thank you, sir. As uh, the lone Mets apologist leaves the studio. By the way, if you are a Mets apologist, can we get some help with the Fireflies? They're like 9 and 30. They have the, quote, most loaded roster in baseball, according to Keith Law, but they're 9 and 30. Take the kids to a game. The Fireflies going to win? Probably not. Anyway, enough about the Mets. All right, so. Here's what we are going to get into today. When will your SEC teams lose their first game? Yeah, we'll get into that. Someone actually wrote up something on that. Also, the SEC went 13-1 and last year in opening the opening week games. Can they match that this year? And which teams, according to this writer, uh, Chris Smith, has the opportunity to – well, not the opportunity – has the potential to drop a game and make that SEC record look a little more crummier than 13-1. and one. We'll also get into several other things, including is the Georgia football program the most overrated in college football? The Orlando Sentinels' Mike Bianchi says so. He says it is the most overrated football program in the country. Some thoughts on that later on. Oh, man, what else can we get into today? There's, like, just a crazy, crazy amount of stuff. Nick Saban watches Game of Thrones. Yeah. Now, I know everybody else, and I have to admit this. I watch Game of Thrones, and I'm not just saying this because it's a typical guy thing to say. My wife loves Game of Thrones. So I watch Game of Thrones with the wife. So I I keep up with it, and I love the, uh, the drama and stuff that goes online with it. But apparently... You can be like a macho guy and watch Game of Thrones. I mean, Nick Saban does it. You know, the guy who has hip surgery and is, you know, running around the next day. Yeah, we can, you know, if he does it, then I can watch Game of Thrones and not feel like my man card has to be revoked. I'll tell you what Nick Saban says is going to happen on Game of Thrones. We'll have that later. Also, one of the biggest rivalries for Notre Dame may be coming to an end. And if we have time today, we might get into this today, we might not. But this is an interesting thing here with when coaches leave, meaning like coaches at high-powered programs, Ohio State, Clemson, who's next in line to replace them? And then I've also got another story today that, um, you know what, I mentioned I watched Game of Thrones with the wife, but... 
with this, if she hears me talk about this, she's not going to be happy. But it's just something that I feel big about. John Daly. You remember John Daly, the beers, you know, the beers uh, chugging, smoking a cigarette on the on the tee box. John Daly, everybody loves him. Even though he wears golfer attire that makes me want to, like, just gag. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where he gets his golf clothes. But a ruling today came down for John Daly. And we'll get into that momentarily. It's You know what? I think I'll do that now because it's, like, fresh in my head. Here we go. So John Daly is the first golfer in seven years to be approved to use a golf cart in a major tournament. So the PGA of America says Daly applied for the cart through its Americans with Disability Act policy and provided information for the medical staff to review. The former British Open and PGA champion says he has osteoarthritis in his right knee that keeps him from walking a full round. Daly plays the PGA Tours champion circuit that allows for carts. My big thing with this is that I respect the fact that John Daly has osteoarthritis, okay? But you know what? It's giving him an advantage. And if we're having the U.S. Open, I just don't think that that's fair to everybody else. They're not really putting them on a level playing field. It's going to be at Bethpage Black this year, but... I don't think Daly's I don't think Daly will make the cut, to be completely honest with you. But he's not gonna have to walk around the whole course. That is tiresome. Try walking nine holes, eighteen holes the next time you play golf. You're not gonna do that because you're just gonna walk you're gonna get a cart. It makes life easier. I think it takes away from the game. Now I understand the legal end of it, but I bring it back to this. The Kentucky Derby just went down this weekend, and we had um, Country House win the Kentucky Derby. But did he really win the Kentucky Derby? No, it was maximum security. It seems like we have so many exceptions on everything now. I think that's one of the things that I love about sports for the most part and why I don't get into soccer. It's, it comes down to people win and people lose. If you win, that's great. If you lose, you learn from when you lose, and it helps build your character. But we had the decision with the Kentucky Derby. Now it comes out that John Daly gets to use a cart. I, I, just, I don't really agree with all that. This is the first time this has happened since um, Casey Martin did it in 1998 and the 2012 U.S. Open. I get that it's the law, and I get that it's, it can be allowed to happen, but I just don't think it's completely fair to everybody else that has to walk the 18 holes. If you want to respond to that, 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832 is the number to call. If you want to uh, chat about John Daly getting uh, become the first golfer in seven years to be approved to use a cart in a major, for me, I'm just like, uh, I don't know. You know, there's not much we can do about it. The PGA approved it. But I tell you what, if you're somebody that's out there and you're having to walk that course and you see John Daly drive up, first of all, I hope somebody's driving his cart because I think John Daly's drunk 80% of the time. 
that that needs to be put in there too. If you're going to have a cart, make sure whoever's driving it is absolutely sober. And does John Daly get to carry like beers on his cart? That's another thing. These are jokes, but the reality is, is that he, in my opinion, has an unfair advantage using a cart. 803-978-1832-803-978-1832 is the number to call. If you want to get involved with the rundown this afternoon, talking about John Daly getting a cart for the PGA. Um, you know, i got to mention the Clemson baseball team last night. They lose. This was a weird game last night if you followed along here. I listened, of course, right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400 as I was maneuvering around the house. Clemson's playing Presbyterian last night. They dropped that game to Presbyterian, which is 149 in the uh, in the metrics. This is their second game in a row that they've lost to a team that's ranked 140 or higher in the RPI. So Gardner Webb and Presbyterian. The Tigers have dropped 12 of their last 15 and nine of their last 10 ACC games. The crazy thing about this, though is according to Baseball America, they're still in the last four in, along with uh, Duke. So two of the last four in are Duke and Clemson. You know, Clemson's hosted a regional in Lee's first three seasons as a head coach, but they have them now projected to go to the Greenville Regional and play against in East Carolina and play as a three seed. So... Just a tough, tough loss last night. Especially considering that Clemson's carrying the flag for the state. You know, if you're a Palmetto State uh, person like I am, love our state, you got to look at it from this perspective. We're not going to have somebody in the tournament for the first time in like 45 years if this Clemson team doesn't get off their butt and do something. I think South Carolina's dug themselves too much of a hole. I don't think Coastal's going to make it. The rest of the teams around the state not looking very promising. But Coach Monty Lee had this to say last night. And, you know, if you're watching the game, you felt like the team was into it. And Coach Lee said this last night, and it kind of kind of brings that theory home. I know it's, fr- it's frustrating for all of us. The guys competed as hard as they could. I felt like the dugout energy was outstanding tonight. You know, the guys are they're wearing it pretty hard, you know, right now, just like all of us are, the coaching staff and the players. It's, it's been very, very tough. But I can say this, our guys are fighting as hard as they can and competing as hard as they can. And we're going to show up here tomorrow ready to go and excited about the opportunity to get back on the field. Of course, that game on the field tonight is against the Citadel. Their RPI, by the way, is at 272. First pitch is at 6 o'clock up at Doug Kingsmore. We will have live coverage for you right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. That starts at 530 today. Now, the thing with Clemson, though, it's kind of weird that Coach Lee is saying that because it makes you wonder if Someone is questioning him on the front of, have you lost the team? Are, are they listening to the message that you got there? I, I honestly don't think so. But it is interesting that Coach Lee had to address that in the press conference last night. He didn't really address it. He brought it up on his own. It wasn't like somebody asked him, hey, is the team not listening to you? 
He brought it up on his own. So, interesting on that front with the Clemson baseball team. By the way, the South Carolina baseball team tonight, their final midweek game of the season, as they will welcome in Furman down at Founders Park. First pitch for that game is at 7 o'clock. You wonder with the Gamecocks, I just, and this is with South Carolina and Clemson so both, I, on, I just honestly think that both teams can flip the switch. I really do. It would not surprise me in the least if South Carolina railed off a series win against Kentucky, railed off a series win on the road against Mississippi State, and got their way into the SEC tournament. It would not surprise me at all. And the reason being is looking at what the team did last year when everybody threw dirt on their head. But it's the same way with Clemson. It would not surprise me if they go out and roll the Citadel tonight. I apologize, Bulldogs fans. Then go into this weekend series at NC State, play well up there, come back, slap around Wake Forest, and then look good in the ACC tournament. And then people are starting to call them a sweeper to, or excuse me, a sleeper when they get into regional play. Neither one of those would surprise me. Maybe I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe my my bang coffee that I'm drinking right now has like something in it, like some of the edibles that you can get up in Colorado. I don't know. But I just honestly think that both teams are better than what their record indicates. I really do, especially South Carolina. And I tell you what, Noah Campbell is catching a lot of heat. It would not shock me. Noah Campbell gets drafted, goes on, and has a great major league career. Would not shock me in the least. He was listed as one of the top prospects for the draft. Clemson's got some guys in there, and they're up there at uh, Clemson that are projected to be drafted high. Logan Davidson, according to report yesterday, was considered a first-round pick. Pitching has doomed the Tigers a little bit this season, but they've had guys that have gone out there and pitched well. It just seems like, for some reason, on days they pitch well, and this is the same thing for South Carolina too, by the way. On days when they pitch well, they don't hit. On days when they hit well, they don't pitch. It's just not the mix that you need to win some games. Out to the phones, 803-978-1832. Good afternoon. Welcome to the rundown. Hey, Will. I mean, hello. Hey, what's up? Ain't nothing much. I've been listening to you since day one. You do a good job. It's all good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what's calling about the John Daly thing? Yeah. One thing, but we've been through that before with uh with Casey with Martin. What's his name? Yeah. But um, uh, but and, you know, he can't do nothing about the law and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's legal I, rights and stuff. I'm with you on that, but do you think that he's getting an unfair advantage going out there, being able to use a cart? Of course he is. Well, I and mean... I never thought about him toting the beer thing. That was a new added. That's all right. You probably got it in there somewhere anyhow. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at all. And, uh, and you know, the thing about the Gamecocks, you get click a switch, that is, that is true if they could find some pitching. You know what? I, I I agree with you on that. It seems like they just need their starters just to go 
into a couple more innings. Instead of going five innings, go seven innings. If they could get a couple of starters to do that and string those together, they can scratch out some runs. I mean, look at what they did against the best of the ACC. They went and took uh, what took a game from North Carolina, took two games from Clemson, although Clemson has turned out to be a gong show at some point. And then you've got they also beat NC State. So it's not like they don't have talent to play. Yeah, you're right. But I, I just, in three games, I, I don't know. They just they just don't have the steady pitching. And if they can find that, like you said, they can do it. Hey, man, I appreciate you joining me on the show today. Thanks so much for listening. All right. All right. Well, there you go. At least he agrees with me on the cart. John Daly is approved for a cart. I think it gives him an advantage. The Gamecocks need some pitching. Everybody needs pitching at some point. But I do I do just feel like, and I know we're running out of time. I know that. But if there is a switch that they can flip, the Gamecocks and Clemson both need to flip it now. The Gamecocks, just to get it into Hoover so they can have a chance to make some noise in Hoover and hopefully slip into the NCAA tournament. And Clemson, if they want to go to the NCAA tournament, right now projected as one of the last four in, they need to throw that switch too. It needs to happen right now. Not that I'm like this big motivational speaker. I just hope to get up early in the morning enough to go to CrossFit. (laughs) I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. But the reality is that if there is a switch, they've got to flip it. they got to go with it now for both teams. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little football. When will SEC teams lose their first game? Interesting write-up on that and where some of the, uh, some of the projections are. Also, can the SEC match their 13-1 mark from the opening week of last season? We'll talk about that. And a lot more, of course, here on The Rundown. I'm on Twitter at Rob Sounds. Good. Be sure to check me out there. More of The Rundown in just a moment on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Welcome back to The Rundown. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Sounds Good. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Rob Sanders. Thanks for joining me here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. We talked earlier about John Daly getting a golf cart for the... uh, for the U.S. Open, I think it gives them an advantage. I know there's nothing we can do about it, but it seems like in society we just make exceptions all the time now. And I understand the disability end of it. It's just giving John Daly an advantage going into that tournament. That's all I'm throwing out there. I know that we can't do anything about it, but there you go. We also talked a little bit about the Clemson baseball team. Get your stuff together there, Clemson baseball team. Catch that game tonight here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Uh, opening game, opening uh, the countdown to a first pitch starts at 5.30 with Don Munson. First pitch is at 6 o'clock. All right, so don't forget, uh, oh, and of course the Gamecock baseball team, they play tonight at 7 against Furman. So you got two games tonight you can keep up with if you're a big baseball fan. And it's kind of cool, too, because you can keep up with both of those games, and then the Braves play at 10-10 against the Dodgers as they try to break a, uh, a losing streak to them. Dodgers have won nine straight at home, by the way. 
The Dodgers are turning into the evil empire of the West. They just go out and buy players. That's kind of what they do. Atlanta pitcher Max Freed last night got hit on his hand, came out of the game. X-rays are clear. He's listed as day-to-day with a bruise on his hand, so we'll see how that works out for uh, the Atlanta hurler there. But the Braves will try to break that uh, two-game losing streak tonight to the Dodgers. First pitch is at 10-10. All right, some SEC football now. Uh, Chris Smith from Saturday Down South wrote this uh, this column on the SEC in Week 1. When you look at the schedule for Week 1, last year they went it was 13-1 and is what the conference went. Now, Georgia and Vanderbilt play in Week 1. But can the SEC go perfect this year or 13-1? and one? And he evaluated each game, and it's kind of interesting. Alabama and Duke in Atlanta. Alabama is going to just slap Duke in Atlanta. I mean, it's going to be like a character-building game. And he does write, this game does nothing for Alabama's resume or the SEC's reputation, a Duke victory will be more shocking than Nick Saban's first tie team losing to Louisiana Monroe. I've said this for the longest time. And the SEC apologists, they will defend Alabama until the end of time because I, I guess Alabama's like, you know, I'm not saying Alabama's a bad team, but to the SEC apologists who will tell you that, oh, well, the SEC is so much better, they always end up hanging their hat on Alabama. And they end up looking silly. Because Alabama doesn't schedule anybody outside of conference. They just don't. Now, I'm not saying that there are other teams that that don't do the same thing, but Alabama is terrible when it comes to this. And, of course, the Crimson Tide fans will tell you, well, we scheduled an ACC team. Yeah, you did, but you scheduled them in a neutral site. And it's not like you scheduled... I'd have more respect for them if they scheduled like Virginia Tech or hell, even Boston College. But schedule them at home and then schedule a a home game with them next year. This neutral site crap is ridiculous. So Alabama will roll in their game. LSU and Georgia Southern, another session of, okay, here we go. Uh, Expect LSU to win that one. Mississippi State, Louisiana, Tennessee and Georgia State, Texas A&M and Texas State. <laughs> the line on that one, Texas State lost 35-7 to at Rutgers last season. Texas A&M will roll. Missouri at Wyoming, Missouri will roll them. Then it says shouldn't, should be clo- shouldn't be close, but Arkansas and Portland State. Um... I when I see that I think that Chad Morris is going to be have them playing a lot better at Arkansas. Then uh, Florida versus Miami of Ohio, or excuse me, Florida versus Miami. This game is like uh like I think on the twenty fourth, so it's early. That's gonna be probably one of the best matchups of the first uh, couple of weeks. Florida and Miami of Ohio, or Florida of uh, Florida and Miami playing in Orlando. Gators are currently an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't know if I feel that uh, confident in the Florida Gators. But then again, they are playing Miami, and Miami has been a gong show. And then then they have this one, Kentucky and Toledo. I know that the Wildcats have lost a lot of stuff on defense. I get that. 
But SEC people that follow and write don't give Kentucky any credit. They don't give Coach Stoops any credit at all. Would not surprise me in the least if Kentucky finished third in the East this year. Would not surprise me at all. So, is this Kentucky team capable of winning 10 games? I don't know. I don't think so. But they should win seven games, and I think they're going to... The game shouldn't be close. South Carolina has almost every conceivable edge except on the sideline. So, apparently, this guy is not on the Will Muschamp bandwagon. He says, the Tar Heels are starting over, and that's long overdue. The Mac is back, and it didn't take Mac Brown long to blow up the old blueprint. How dramatic have the changes been at Chapel Hill? A former starting quarterback is now a linebacker. Former cornerback Corey Bell was a spring standout at wide receiver. Optimism clearly has replaced the cloud of doom that hung over Larry Fedora's tenure. Will it translate to wins? This, this opener will reveal plenty about which direction both programs are heading. South Carolina fans, I'm sure, are checking off that North Carolina win right there. Yeah, we're going to win that game. I think that when you're playing any Power 5 conference team, though, you need to have your stuff together and be ready to go. Because trust me, Mac Brown has coached before. He knows what he's doing. And he's going to be able to get every bit out of whatever these guys have, especially for that first game of the season. Because a lot of these guys may be playing over their heads, not knowing what they're doing. We don't really know what they're going to be doing on offense or defense. We can take an idea of what Mac Brown has done in the past. But Mac Brown's a good coach. He may manipulate his offense to do something completely different, judging by the talent that he has that's there with him. Should South Carolina win? Yeah. Is it going to be etched in rock? Probably not. The game might be close in the third quarter before the Gamecocks pull away. If you want to respond to uh, this article and should the SEC move and be a perfect against non-conference opponents in week one, 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832 is the number to call. This is The Rundown. I'm Rob Sanders. More in just a moment on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Rob Sanders. Appreciate you joining me here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Uh, Here's what we got. This is when each SEC team, according to Chris Smith, will lose their first game of the season. Now, I love looking at stuff like this because, you know, you can uh, you have some buddies you can get together. You can draw names out of a hat, see who actually loses first. You stick with that team. That's your team. If you draw Vanderbilt, people are going to laugh at you. You've kind of wasted your your little, I don't know, your peanut butter sandwich investment, whatever it is you want to bet. But you draw Alabama, you're like, hey, all right. But these are interesting, though, with the SEC on which team you think will lose, uh, which when each team will lose their first game. Alabama, he writes the postseason, and he he goes off on Alabama sort of like I do. They play in the SEC West, but they're the four teams that they play out of conference. This is Alabama's non-conference schedule. Duke, 
New Mexico State, Southern Miss, and Western Carolina. I think you could take all four of those teams, take the best players from all four of those teams, put them together, and they'd still lose by three touchdowns to Alabama. Dead serious. Alabama's non-conference schedule is an absolute joke. Odds are so favorable, he says, that Alabama will go 12-0, and that the over and under on the win total is 11. Even Las Vegas doesn't is kind of laughing about it. For Arkansas, he's got week two at Ole Miss. That kind of makes sense. For Auburn, week four at Texas A&M. That makes sense. For Florida, week six against Auburn. Now, that's interesting, too, having the Gators go that far. But week six, October the 5th against Auburn, that's when he's got Florida at home losing to Auburn. Georgia, he's got them losing their first game of the season to Florida, of course, in Jacksonville. And that'll be like the big-time game of the year, but if it goes the way that he's talking about, Florida will have, what, one loss, I guess, against Auburn. And Georgia will be undefeated. That'll be basically the battle for the SEC East, in my opinion, in week 10 of the season. Kentucky, he's got them losing week three to Florida. I think Florida is going to, and I talked up the the Wildcats earlier, but Florida is going to, I think they're going to lay one on Kentucky this year. Kentucky ended that 31-game losing streak last year to Florida. I think it's going to happen again this year. They're going to pop. Um, Florida's going to pop Kentucky. It's not going to even be close. LSU, they got them losing week two at Texas. You know, a lot of a lot of folks are high on LSU. We'll see how that goes. If they go in there and they hammer Texas, maybe off to the races there for the Tigers. Mississippi State, week five at Auburn. That's interesting, too, in its own right. Going on the road for Mississippi State. We'll see how they do against Auburn. They've got Missouri losing week four to South Carolina at home. And that makes a lot of sense because Missouri's non-conference schedule looks a lot like Alabama's. Ole Miss, they got them losing week one to Memphis. Memphis is a good team. I think that Ole Miss should be on upset alert. They have the Gamecocks losing in week three to Alabama. I think that that is fair. I don't think the Gamecocks are going to have any problem. I think they have Charleston Southern the week before Alabama, something like that. And then they have North Carolina. We don't know what's going to go on with North Carolina, but it's not out of the realm of possibility to say, hey, the Gamecocks should win those two games and drop that game to Alabama. Then they got Tennessee losing week four at Florida. Texas A&M, they got them losing week two at Clemson. Vanderbilt, they've got them losing week one to Georgia. So there are the numbers. Justin on Facebook Live says the Gamecocks will lose that game to Alabama by 40. Thank you for being a part of the program. Justin, I don't know if Alabama is going to be that good where anybody loses to him in conference play by 40. But once again, I think Alabama's playing with a chip on their shoulder this year. And they may try to go out there and hang 40 on everybody. I really think that they, they've got Clemson in their sights. They don't like being embarrassed like they were in the national championship game. 
and I think that Alabama's kind of on a mission this year. I do think that we are on the road for the, what, I think fifth year in a row that we'll have an Alabama-Clemson matchup in the college football playoff. Justin's got some hateful words for the Gamecocks. He says they're going to lose seven games this year. Wow. With that schedule, you never know. They could lose seven. They could lose eight. I mean, you've got to play Clemson, Alabama, Texas A&M, Florida, on the road at Tennessee, on the road at Missouri. Not going to be easy either way. If you want to respond to when SEC teams will lose their first game, 803-978-1832, The only one that I really I, – I think Alabama is going to drop a game in the regular season. I don't know why. It's just something that's in me. I know I said they're on a mission, but the reality is, is that they do have to play LSU. And I think uh, Coach Cajun Man down there is going to get it done this year. I think they may drop that game to LSU. Or they may drop a game to Texas A&M. You think Jimbo Fisher is not shining up those chances that he has this year? You think Jimbo Fisher is not saying, hey, we have the opportunity to play the two teams that played in the national championship. We're going to see how, how good of a team we are. Trust me, he's down there revving them boys up at Texas A&M. All right, if you want to respond to any of that, 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832. When we come back, we'll talk about a rivalry game that may be put into law or maybe not. We'll also talk about what Nick Saban thinks is going to happen with Game of Thrones. The fact that Nick Saban watches Game of Thrones is kind of funny. One rivalry is going away. And a couple of little things here on the rundown. This is Fox Sports Radio 1400. Final segment of the rundown here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Who knew that Nick Saban liked to watch Game of Thrones? Nick Saban was on uh, the Jocks Roundtable show and revealed that he likes to watch Game of Thrones. I thought that Nick Saban just like sat around his house watching reruns of losses and basically sending text messages to players saying in the loss to Clemson in the national championship game, play number 62, you were a quarter step off of the line slow, slower than you were in the first quarter. Um, that may have cost us the game. That's, the, that's what I think Nick Saban does. But apparently not. Nick Saban apparently watches Game of Thrones. Saying, quote, I love it. It has come down to this. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. That's the way it always goes. Everybody's probably got somebody that they're rooting for, which is how it goes, too. So it'll be interesting to see how it winds up. I think some kind of way Jon Snow is going to wiggle his way in there, even though he won't try. It'll just end up that way. So, first of all, he knows who Jon Snow is. I wonder if one of his coaches said, you know what? We need some pop culture in your life, sir. These guys need to understand that, hey, maybe maybe coach, uh, coach is into Game of Thrones. I like Game of Thrones. I, I just find it amusing that Nick Saban watches Game of Thrones. That's uh, pretty funny. By the way, a note I missed, I missed earlier, the ACC tournament will spend its last season in the Durham ballpark. We don't know where it's going to go. Yesterday it was announced that it's going to move from there following this season. I think it's this season or next season. But I know they're going to have it there this season. 
but they're going to have to figure out where they're going to go. Um, let me throw something out there. Columbia. Uh, we did such a great job hosting the regional play here for basketball. Why not have it at uh, Segura Park over there? Just maneuver it around when the Fireflies are going to be there playing. And they're 9-20. and 20. What do they care anyway? Half the college teams they're playing probably beat them senseless. Half the teams in the ACC might, the way the Fireflies have been playing. Anyway. But yeah, they got to find a new spot for the ACC tournament. It may go to Myrtle Beach. You never know. We're supposed to go there at one point. We'll see what happens with that. All right, a couple of little things before we get out of here today. For nearly 70 years, Notre Dame and Pittsburgh have, excuse me, Notre Dame and Purdue have played each other. So the next series between the two sides could very well be the last. According to Athletic Director Mike Bobinski to College Football Talk, the series may end once the final game is played. Purdue and Notre Dame are slated to play a six-game series between 2021 and 2028. So after the 2028 season, it's uh, probably not going to happen anymore. He says there's a conflict with Notre Dame's scheduling, dynamic, and philosophy. Really? If it was really that way, Notre Dame would join a conference. Stop with all that noise. If that's the case, Notre Dame can't schedule Army and Na- or excuse me, Navy, and uh, I think they play Air Force every year too. Stop with all that noise, man. But apparently that rivalry is may come to an end after 2028. To be honest, uh, Purdue is has is behind by like 30 games. It's 56, 26, and two. The Irish hold a big record there. But hey, what do you know? I think that's a team they need to keep. By the way, Big Ten team. Oh, I forgot. The Big Ten doesn't really play good football. Mm. Maybe Notre Dame should schedule Ohio State. That's the only team from the Big Ten that is generally worth a damn. The rest of the conference, yeah, not so much. Please don't come at me with Michigan. I mean, those guys are always going down to... Where'd they go last year? They went and seen, like, the opera in Italy. Yeah, that didn't bring you a national title or even a, even a division title, did it? How about this? Take them to Dairy Queen across town. That should be their longest trip. That way they can... They can stay focused on football. All right, this, uh, this story is interesting with a bill in Texas to mandate that Texas A&M and Texas play each other was shot down. They stopped playing each other in 2001 when the Aggies moved to the SEC. People across the state have been wanting to see them play again, uh, which, by the way, they play eight, eight conference games. They have four conference games. Stop with the drama. Just schedule Texas as one of your conference games, Texas A&M. It's not that hard. Take off North Texas State or whatever and put Texas on there if it's that important to you. But according to the Texas Tribune via CBS 19, a bill made it out of the Texas House Higher Education Committee gained no ground in the full House. That means it, was, it passed in the House but failed in the Senate. State Representative Lyle Larson declined to ask for a hearing for the bill effectively killing it. Larson explained that the true intention of the bill was to mandate a law, but rather to get the schools to engage in talks over resuming the series. So basically, they're at the state house saying, look, we're going to put this law through the, how- or through the house. 
We're going to kill it in the Senate. Hopefully, they'll notice up there, the two athletic directors, they'll notice, and maybe they'll get off their butts and try to schedule each other. No, they don't care what you're doing there, sir. All they care about is, can we get to eight, nine, or ten wins so fans will continue to come and see us, so we can continue to get money donated to our athletic booster clubs, so we can maybe possibly win an SEC title or a Big 12 title. They really don't care what you do at the Texas State House. I'm sorry. We need to educate some of the House members. I don't think they really understand sometimes how the world works. But from 1915 to 2011, the two sides faced each other regularly. The first meeting was in 1894. They played each other 118 times. If you want it to happen, you just need to don't waste the the people's time. And what I mean by the people's time is when you're supposed to be writing laws that are actually worthwhile for the state of Texas. Yeah, use that time for that to write actual decent laws. I'm sure being a Texas state senator, you might be able to get a phone call in to the athletic director there. Maybe you can convince him to have lunch with you. Or you can invite him to a game. You have that uh, capability. And when he's at that game, when you give him his Texas shirt or his Texas A&M t-shirt to wear on the sideline, polo shirt, whatever it is you give them, give him a note saying, hey, can you schedule Texas A&M? Can you schedule Texas? That's, That's how you fix this stuff. Not by just putting arbitrary laws to send them through the house. It's funny how people think sometimes of that. We missed some stuff today, man. It's kind of crazy. Tomorrow we'll get into this. Is Georgia the most overrated college football program in the country? Uh, This one guy from the Orlando Sentinel says yes. I mean, he wrote that. I didn't. Also, uh, bold predictions for the NFL tomorrow. We'll get into that, too. Um, Real quick on that. The Buffalo Bills... I'll go ahead and put out one of these now. If the Buffalo Bills don't make the playoffs this season, I think that we should deport them to Canada. We should let them go to the CFL. Serious. I mean, they're pretty much in Canada anyway. They employ people to come take out the snow, for goodness sakes. But with the Buffalo Bills, if they don't make the playoffs, we should deport them to Canada. Just let them play in the CFL. But I'll tell you some more bowl predictions tomorrow. Stick around for that. Also, I've got some cool FCS games that are coming up. I love good FCS games. We'll get into that tomorrow. That's interesting, too. Some of the best football in the state is played at some of these FCS games. I love going to Furman games. Or even, uh, it's not even an FCS game, but go go watch Newberry play. Coach Knight up there, man, he's got his boys playing some ball all the time. Bring you a lawn chair and sit in the back of the end zone, basically. It's kind of a cool way to watch a football game. We'll talk about that tomorrow, too, here on The Rundown. Don't forget, Lawton Swan, the czar of Clemson Sports Talk, is next. He will bring you home this afternoon. He's got all kinds of great stuff for you on the Tigers. Don't forget, Tiger Baseball this afternoon at 5.30. We will have that game for you. First pitch is at 6. Pre-game show starts at 5.30 with Don Munson at Doug Kingsmore Stadium. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rob Sounds Good. Download the podcast. Share it with your friends. Tell them I listen to this chunky idiot on the radio every day. Tomorrow he's going to tell us why George is the worst program in history or most overrated in history. Yeah, we'll have that tomorrow for you here. On the rundown, this is Fox Sports Radio 1400.